0: petersfield's shine radio growing together with claire venice and steve amos on petersfield's shine radio
1: Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together, the gardening program from Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice, and I'm at the Adhurst Estate allotment on a chilly December morning with Steve Amos. Hi, good Steve. morning. How are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you?
2: Well, we've both got our hats on. Yes, <laughs> layers. <laughs> I know, Definitely I know. Layers. I should have put another layer on. I think I'm a little bit chilly, but we'll be all right.
1: Well, you've been working already this morning on your plot.
2: Yeah, I know. I've I've been a bit. I say slack. I've been really busy with one thing or another. My second pack. Is fishing, so I've done a bit of fishing and a bit of shooting, a bit controversial, a bit of shooting, but just so much other stuff going on at the moment. It's a really busy time of year, isn't it?
1: It is, and the weather's been mild, so although it's been damp, it's been mild so we can go out and do more things.
2: It's been so wet though, hasn't it? Halfway through November, I was just like, seriously? Yeah. When is this rain going to stop? I was contemplating starting building my ark if I'm honest. Oh
1: no! <laughs> <laughs> well, the rain and the mild weather has kept things flowering. I've got roses still flowering walking down the allotment here there's calendula there's nasturtium still flowering it's, it's incredible it's bonkers isn't it
2: yeah it is yeah, I help a friend out on his garden over in Steep Marsh and um, yeah his roses they've got like a third or fourth flush of flowers. It's just bonkers, absolutely bonkers. He said to me, is it time to cut the roses back yet? I said, no, not yet. And look, you've got flowers coming. You're going to have roses on your Christmas table. I
1: mean, I was out in the garden a couple of days ago, cutting some flowers for a little vase, you know, along with some foliage that hasn't lost its leaves yet. I love to have a vase on my kitchen table and this time of year, I don't think I've ever gone yeah. out in the garden and cut flowers. There's some cosmos actually as well. that. No I've, way. It I've
2: must, must be in a sheltered yeah. spot for the cosmos, surely.
1: There's some in a pot. There's some still on, on really? my flower bed, wow. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's
2: amazing, unbelievable.
1: It's not looking as healthy and happy as
2: it <laughs> has bit, been. It's, but a it's a bit scraggy. Some... You wouldn't put it on the show bench, would you? <laughs> no, absolutely not. But it's <laughs> nice to see that pop of colour. Absolutely, no, definitely. It's 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 mad, isn't it? And I think autumn has been very late, hasn't it? With the leaves coming off, but all of a sudden, a lot of the leaves have gone. But you still, I mean, looking over here now, you can see the oak tree. I mean, I know oaks uh, are last to shed their leaves anyway, really, aren't they? But if you look beyond the oak, they're still green. It's just it's just crazy, isn't it? But we are in December. I know. (laughs) December already. Where has the year gone? I don't know. We've been recording this for nearly
1: a year now, Steve.
2: I was thinking that this morning, actually. I was thinking about the first one we did was at my house, wasn't it? And yeah. then um, then we've done probably done about 15, 16 through the year, haven't we? We did like two a month, didn't we? During the summer for a while, didn't we? We did. It's yes, been great exactly. fun. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh,
1: brilliant! Well, I've enjoyed it too, Steve.
2: Am I sacked now, though?
1: No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep coming. It's great, Danny. Okay. Here.
2: Yeah, no, no. I, I, it's great, and I love having you here. And it's it's great just to chat and sort of spread the good word of gardening, and allotmenting, and and everything else growing, isn't it? It's It's it's, it's really good fun.
1: It is. And there's such a community vibe down here in the allotment. There's always something going on. There's always someone to talk to. And in fact, actually, a quick shout out to Laura, who I met. She has an allotment plot down here. And uh, she said hi. So I'd like to say hi back to you, Laura.
2: Well, she's an absolute gem because she's also our secretary on the committee. And she's brilliant.
1: Well, she told me she has one of the newest plots here that were created during lockdown.
2: That's right. Yeah. In sort of May, June of the first lockdown we had, we we were allowed to come down to the allotments. And I think for a lot of people, it was a, a real place of escape. And, you know, as you were allowed to come down for as long as you liked, it wasn't just your hours exercise. The government said you were allowed to come and tend to your allotment, which was superb our waiting list went through the roof and we decided we had a a small space below the what we call the, the top field and we opened up 24 rod plots and over the course of a number of weekends and days we had small groups of people socially distanced come down to look at the plots while well, they weren't built we we're just in a, in a field and we'd marked out a four rod plot and we had about 40 people i think interested which which was incredible and then the 20 were chosen uh, at random and then um, they turned up when we were allowed to all get together they fenced it Laid out their plots and started all on the same day. So I'm not sure whether it was a an unprecedented experiment, but um, yeah, 20 people starting on one allotment on the same day was it was brilliant. And it's it's amazing to see what they've done. You know, two years down the line, it doesn't look new at all. It's brilliant.
1: Now, do you have any spare plots going now? If someone's listening to this and thinks, "Oh, I'd like to start going down to the allotment," do you have any spare plots now?
2: We don't have any at the moment, but we do, have, we have, we have a, a small waiting list. I think it's two or three people on the waiting list. But if you are interested, now is the time of year. But between now and March where we lose a few you know people have not done so much over the over the growing season having to get out in the cold and the wet and the damp and and tend to their plots and get it ready for the growing season again next year it's now the time of year where we force people's hands and people do resign as well so, yeah, absolutely. If you're interested, come and join us. We'll put your name down anyway. Good.
1: Now, we are not actually at your plot. No, we're We're not. at the allotments, but we have wandered down to a new area. Explain where we are, Steve.
2: So, we've got quite a lot of land here, and a couple of years ago we planted, we were given um, a load of elm and lime trees uh, by the South Downs National Park, which you can see on the bank heading up there towards the railway line. And there was another patch sort of sheltered away behind the, the bramble hedge that Phil, our environmental officer, decided it would be a good idea to have a new project. So... Phil's new project is in conjunction with the Tree Council and it's called a Miyaki Tree Plantation. Now, I'd never heard of it. I called it Milwaukee for a little while until Phil told me off a number of times. But it's a method of planting where you really look after the soil to begin with. Um, And as you can see here, we've got two great big molehills, one of compost and one of chip. And on Tuesday and Wednesday last week, we had, over the two days, nearly 70 volunteers, corporate volunteers come down braving the mud uh, it, and it, it was muddy. I mean, we've had this, this area rotivated quite deeply. It's very clay around here. So they've moved tons of compost and dug it all into the soil here. And as you can see from the planting, sort of traditional tree planting for a sort of a small woodland would be maybe it's a tree a meter, a square meter. Here, as you can see, it's four or five, up to six trees in places. But it's all native trees we've planted, a real mixture. And you just let nature take its course, plant them really thickly, competition they grow fairly quickly and uh, away we go.
1: Well it's quite an interesting layout because you have two lines of trees and in the middle quite a a large plot with nothing in
2: it. What's Uh, going to happen there? That is going to be planted but in the middle there's going to be a seating area which is going to be rather lovely. We've got a fencing contractor coming in to to fence it off deer proof it and rabbit proof it because as you can see we've ditched the plastic and the tree guards we've got are cardboard and we're doing our best here on the site to, to get rid of as much Unnecessary plastic as possible. So Phil has sourced these cardboard tree guards, which look great, don't they?
1: They do. All oh, looks really exciting, actually. So, what what was the reason to to make this space like
2: this? So it's all about increasing diversity of the sort of the wildlife and what have you. We get here, I mean, as you can see, right, right on cue, there's a kestrel mm-hmm. sat on the post over there. But you know, we're really lucky. We've got a great place. We've got all sorts of reptiles and amphibians here, rabbits obviously. But then we've got a healthy population of dormice as well, slow worms, grass snakes. One afternoon, I mean, I'm now jumping around a bit with with the animals. But uh, one afternoon, I was sat down here and I saw a kestrel, a buzzard a couple of red kites, and even a sparrowhawk. So in one afternoon, to support that many raptors, our environmental diversity must be just incredible, really.
1: That's amazing. It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it no, is It's amazing. really
2: cool. And I think what I love about it down here, it, yes, it's an allotment, and it, it has a community feel about it, but the stuff that mainly Phil is doing and leading is just brilliant. And you do the river walk, which has all been open up now. It's just so much more than just an allotment. It's, it's a really cool place to be, not just for us, but for the animals and the wildlife too.
1: It's quite special around yeah, here. Yeah, I love it. it
2: really, we're very, very lucky. And we, we've just negotiated a, an extra five years on our lease uh, and we'll be, we'll be talking to our lovely landlords, the Lubbocks, over the next few months to sort of see if we can increase that even further and secure the, secure the future of the allotments here for everyone forever, really. Sounds good. Absolutely.
1: So talking of securing and moving forward, yes. what have you been doing? In the garden for December, what plans have you got?
2: Well, I, I'm a little bit ahead of the curve with, I say ahead of the curve, I'm on, I'm on track with my garlic. I've got garlic planted and that's in and, and starting to shoot. The friend I help out over in Steep Marsh planted a load of onion sets into the 24-cell planters. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they've all come up. So they'll be going in the ground this weekend. We've put a load of fish blood and bone and chicken manure pellets on the ground there to, to richen it up a little bit, get those in next week. And obviously from a harvest point of view, your brassicas, someone came up, here the other day and took the biggest basket of cavallonera i've ever seen in my life hopefully they're going to freeze it down and not eat it all in one sitting (laughs) but um and sprouts obviously we're coming to that time of year christmas you pointed out a massive sprout plant yeah i think that's going to feed a family of probably about 20 for a week i think
1: they're really impressive they're huge, I think there's aren't about they? four of them i couldn't oh. believe it They're all the same height as i am almost. well it's the same
2: guy that's grown all the beans and he's finally <laughs> finally taken his bean poles down it's incredible he's not going to grow as many next year he assures me
1: <laughs> his freezer's full exactly
2: time for a rest from the beans definitely <laughs>
1: And are you doing anything with sweet peas yet, or are you going to wait a little bit longer?
2: Well, I have done sweet peas really early in the past, and I've already had them in in the past. This year, I've decided to wait a little bit later, because last year they just came and went so early I know it was unprecedented with the weather but I'm just going to leave it probably till January middle of January to plant the sweet peas and what I do with those I use you know the retainers yes yeah I I plant a couple couple of seeds per retainer and I've saved seed from the sweet peas this year so it's random rather than blocks of color you know I like my blocks of color you'll be (laughs) pleased to know I've gone random so random sweet peas
1: Pushing the boat out there, Steve. (laughs) I'm
2: I'm a bit twitchy about it, if I'm honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: brilliant. Well, I've been collecting toilet rolls, as I do, because I don't have any root trailers. But what I use is a similar sort of thing because a sweet pea needs a long root system. And so I collect toilet rolls. And what I do is I put them in a larger pot, line them all in together, and that's where I plant a couple of sweet pea seeds in each toilet roll.
2: Well, they're a good idea, the, the toilet rolls, aren't they? I've had mixed success with them, but they're great because obviously you can just plant the whole thing into the ground which is brilliant and then the cardboard just rots away but I have struggled in the past where the cardboard has rotted away before I've managed to get them in the ground you know when you keep trying to water them and what have you and they just disintegrate so uh, yeah mixed success with toilet rolls myself and to be fair my lovely little spaniel loves a toilet roll so if there's one knocking around she'll have it and run off with it and chew it up so an empty toilet roll in my house is a rare commodity if I'm (laughs) honest.
1: So we're heading towards Christmas. We are. Do you celebrate Christmas here at the allotment? Do you you guys do anything as a a group?
2: Well, we have a a working party coming up, which will be our festive final one of the year and our festive one. Mince pies, mulled wine, and someone's even said they're going to bring a speaker and play Christmas music. I... I, I'm not I'm not a Grinch, right? I'm not a Grinch, but you know, come on. <laughs> Christmas music and an allotment, have a word. <laughs>
1: oh, that sounds really nice though. I might be up for
2: that. <laughs> be more than welcome. You don't have to do anything, you know. A lot of people don't. Well, a lot of people. Esther, if she's listening, she barely does anything at working parties to be fair. But she's now got herself on the committee and she's gonna be organising. So this is now gonna be her job at working parties. Sounds fun. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> So I i don't know about you, but I make a, a Christmas wreath. I like to collect sort of little bits of trees and things as I go around on my walks yeah. uh, every year. It's something okay. sort of traditional that I do. Nice. And I really enjoy doing it. But I also spoke to... Susanna Jarrett, who runs Flowers by the Bridge in West Meon. Okay. And she makes the most incredible Christmas wreaths and Christmas decorations. She knows a lot about wreaths. So I spoke to her. So if you're thinking about making a wreath and you need a little bit of extra advice, Susanna will give you the know-how. Nice to see you, Susanna. It's lovely to see you too. Thanks for meeting me on this gorgeous late autumn day. It's beautiful out there. The colours are absolutely stunning. Can you explain a
0: bit more about what you do at Flowers by the Bridge? Yes, so I've been a florist for about 30 years, but I've only been growing flowers for about six or seven years. I used to have an events company. I did mostly weddings and things like that. And then about six, seven years ago, I stopped that and I opened a little stall by the side of my house selling flowers. And in the first year, people sort of said to me, oh, are these all from your garden? Have you grown all these? And I thought, I haven't, but perhaps I need to start growing them. So that's that's how Flowers by the Bridge evolved. Cool, Flowers by the Bridge, because we're on a bridge and literally this, the store was by the bridge. And so in the first year then I started, I got a couple of allotments and since then I've been growing my own flowers. They're not all my own flowers, I I use imported flowers and locally sourced flowers as well, but I'm, I'm a florist who grows flowers rather than the flower grow per se, if you
1: like. Now we're heading towards the Christmas season. Yes. I know because I've come across your beautiful Christmas decorations before, <laughs> you create an amazing amount of Christmas wreaths yes. and decorations. And I'd love to find out a bit more about what you do, how you create them, what the process is how do you go about creating a Christmas
0: wreath? In fact it's it's interesting you say that because I've just updated my website. As with my bouquets there's no wreath that's the same if you like so I don't have a certain design that people say I'd like A, B or C although I do have lots of ideas on my website just to give people kind of hints and they might go I like the one with the yellow but I want more pink in it or they want to go just for all green so each wreath is different which makes it a lot more fun for me I think and same with my bouquets I I don't ever make them the same. I find it quite difficult to make things exactly the same to be (laughs) honest Uh, and I just more and more going slightly away from the sort of blingy side of things over the summer I've been drying some of my flowers you know things like the uh, the straw flowers dry really well I've been collecting teasels and lots of dried bracken and things like that so they're all going to go into my wreaths. and then I sort of make friends with local landscape gardeners and so if they're cutting back a box or a bay or something I say hang on to it for me so just start collecting from now on just start collecting foliage so a lot of it's locally sourced, which is great. Things like um, Pittosporum, Loristinus, all those lovely things take a long time to grow, so mine is still relatively small. How many wreaths do you tend to make then this time of year? <laughs> I counted last year. Um, I, I probably make about 100. Wow, do you yeah, really? really? It is a lot, and each one takes a long time. That's the thing. It's not like um, we have busy periods throughout the year. You know, Mother's Day in particular, Valentine's is popular when you're making lots of bouquets. But bouquets are relatively quick to make. There is no quick way of making a wreath. You, know, so you just have to sort of settle down. So I can't really do, physically can't do many more than that. But I also run wreath workshops. So I think if you counted all the ones that went out the door, that's probably another hundred. that You know, with people coming and making up their own wreaths, which is great fun as well. Do you use moss-based wreaths? Yes, I think, start that's why, I think that's one of the reasons, maybe, why wreaths are becoming more sort of natural and a bit wilder. When you were using Oasis, it was. It did naturally make itself into a slightly more compact um, wreath. That was back in the day. I think, like all these things, we were a bit naive, perhaps, to realise how bad core foam can be for the environment. So, um, yes, these moss-based wreaths on wire wreaths, and you can just take off the moss and reuse the wire base again and again, actually, for me, a couple of years at least. Are there any
1: tips you'd like to share? I mean, I know something I've learned over the years is instead of using heavy twine, mm-hmm. use gardener's twine to, yes. to twine up bunches for the wreaths that I use, because yeah. my fingertips become so sore trying to wind everything up yeah, and with the yeah, holly
0: as well use yeah. gloves <laughs> yes yes i know i tend to stay away from the very pretty holly because it does rip your fingers yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. i think i would say if particularly when you're making a wreath but a table center as well collect all your foliage all your bits and pieces and get it all ready and then if you're making a wreath for example cut all your little bits of foliage to the right length so you're all prepared everything's ready lay it all out on the table because it's hard once you get going and you're binding the foliage onto the wreath base to stop and then keep cutting extra bits and things so I would say so prepare and do the base and then do it in sort of stages so you've you've got your greenery base then you add in your bigger decorations like your teasel heads or your pine cones and then your smaller bits you can sort of pushing with little hairpins of wire and then I rather like a nice velvet bow to finish it off I suppose but that's that's just my sounds gorgeous
1: (laughs) Susanna you've got me in the Christmas mood very excited (laughs) about making my Christmas wreath this year thanks so much hopefully we can catch up with you again in spring yes find out what flowers you're growing this year
2: that sounds good what's what's on your Christmas list then this year
1: well so that would be fun, Steve, for us to, to have a little Christmas list for, for gardening. Absolutely. Gardening so I've come up with three things. Okay. Big one. Yeah. I would really like a wormery.
2: Oh. I thought you were going to go really big. I've gone big for my big oh, one. Oh have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wormery, yeah, fantastic.
1: Yeah, I'd like a wormery. It's something I've looked at over the years. And, you know, I compost, we get rats. We've got a lot of rats where we are. And yeah. uh, we're near a farm, and so the rats come up, and no matter how much Chicken wire, I put down or anything like that, I end up getting rats in my compost bin. Yeah. I just don't like it. Whereas a wormery, I think, you know, you it's a little bit worms. more secure. No rats. You have worms, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> they're doing something good. <laughs> exactly. No, I think they're a great idea. And the, the fertilizer you get out the bottom of them, you've got to be really careful with it because it's super potent. I believe
1: that's right. And yeah. you get quite a lot of it, and yeah. it can actually be your feed, your plant veg feed, throughout the year. Yeah. If you collect enough of it.
2: Well, if you speak to Coxie, my neighbour nicely, he's had one on his plot for about four years now that he's never used really yeah oh. it might be a happy christmas present i might <laughs> i might pinch it and not tell him but don't <laughs> tell him i said that yes
1: yeah, <laughs> thanks coxie <laughs> so how about you big one for you
2: big one i would love a polytunnel
1: oh what size polytunnel oh,
2: as big as i You're could big. get <laughs> well, we're not allowed them here on the site unfortunately it's one of the things our landlords just don't like and to be fair, you know they do get battered and they can get unsightly. But I'd, I'd love one. You know, all year growing, somewhere to go and have a little rest on a nice cold winter's day. I went to a polytunnel in, in Wales, actually in North Wales. A chap called Medwin Williams. I think I've spoken about him before. RHS Gold Medal winner. And he had a double-skinned polytunnel with heating. Oh my goodness, <laughs> it was glorious. How much it cost, I do not know. But yeah, wow, amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> your eyes are lighting
2: up. I know. Up. <laughs> I know. Really, it's really exciting. I, I I'd love one, but <laughs> next year, Rodney, maybe, we'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah, exactly. For What's, next, What's so, next on so, your list?
1: Um, I then thought a good Christmas present for me, gardening-wise, is a decent pair of secateurs.
2: Oh, you cannot fail with a decent pair of secateurs. I treated myself a few years ago to a pair of Felcos, and they're awesome. They are awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm it's something
1: I need to do, because if mine break I just go up and buy another cheapy pair and then I regret it but the thing is
2: how many cheap pairs of secateurs have you bought probably too many too many you know and and you say a cheap pair they're a tenner a pair Mm -hmm. you know at Falco's 40, 50 quid? It's only four or five cheap secateurs, and they'll last you forever. And you can get all the replacement bits for it in you know, a bit like Trigger's Broom. You know, secateurs have lasted 20 years. I've only changed the handles three times and the blade seven times, you know, but it's still the same Falcos, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that is that is definitely something I know I need.
2: Next on my list, I, have you seen those trowels that look like, like a Rambo knife? They're fairly long, probably eight, ten inches long, narrow, and you can use them for cutting, digging, they're awesome I don't know what they're called but I've seen Monty use one mm. he loves his and I quite fancy one of those actually Father Christmas if you're listening more realistic than a polytunnel a knife like trowel would be awesome thank you very much
1: that is interesting Yeah, you'd be able to use that multi-tool I suppose I've
2: never used one but mm. they look really cool a gardening multi-tool yeah use it as a traditional trowel use it to sort of cut stuff off it just seems a lot more versatile than the sort of fairly wide trowel you get mm. interesting next?
1: good, good one and then I thought to see myself through the winter months when I can't get in the garden. A bit of inspiration with a gardening book. A book? Can't beat a gardening oh. book. So there's a couple there on the market that I've had my eye on, particularly No Dig by Charles Dowding. OK. Because I did order a ridiculous amount of mulch from Apsley Farm, who, uh, relatively local, 750 litre bag was delivered via crane to my garden. <laughs> I loved it. It was a brilliant day. And now it's all over the garden Fantastic. doing this wonderful mulchy thing. Excellent. And so no dig is quite interesting because I don't know enough about that, but maybe that might be something. I
2: don't know enough to comment about no dig, but people that come up to the allotment say, oh, I'm going to use a no dig method. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Please weed.
1: Well, I'm hoping that the mulch will keep the weeds down a bit. We'll see. He's not looking that happy about it. <laughs> well, the other book actually is by a, a local-ish gardener called Benjamin Pope ben pope and he's brought out a book called what to sow grow and do which is a, a diary basically a yearly kind of growing guide that sounds and like a
2: fantastic book
1: i think that would be a nice yeah book.
2: yeah yes
1: a nice, a nice inspirational gardening book
2: sounds good sounds brilliant the third thing on my list is pretty easy actually it's a decent pair of gloves i go through gloves like nobody's business i wear them all the time i wear them all year my delicate hands a decent pair of gardening gloves that you can actually do stuff with the winter ones are too thick the summer ones sometimes are too thin you get nettled through them so something a decent pair and if anyone's got any ideas about a decent pair of gardening gloves that you can actually do stuff in i'm all ears
1: that's a good point actually because you almost need some that are waterproof as well yeah keep your hands warm but aren't too thick
2: waterproof but you don't want them like a rubber glove that Mm -hmm. gets your hands all sweaty so i think be, there might be a gap in the market out there design a, a super gardening glove
1: yeah i think you're right we'll see good suggestions well like there you go ideas. well
2: i hope father christmas brings you most of the things you want <laughs> I'm... I, I'm living in hope one of a polytunnel and i can't see it happening but there we go oh. i don't think there's enough room on his sledge to be fair
1: <laughs> the other items though very interesting
2: yeah and and realistic i think yeah.
1: so the other thing i wanted to mention actually is talking of the trees here that you've got down here pecan which is our local petersfield climate action network are offering a great deal on bare root fruit trees at the moment okay in conjunction by the East Hampshire District Council it's uh, an initiative called a fruit tree in every garden the fruit trees are supplied by Blackmore okay local um, and the trees are subsidized by the East Hampshire district council so they would normally be 30 pounds but they are selling them for 15 pounds
2: oh, and they'll be good quality trees from Blackmore as well won't they
1: you want to go to a reputable place oh, definitely, and Blackmore a bit like southern fruit trees well they're they're neighbours they They are neighbours so the trees they are offering are apples pears plums edible cherry or ornamental cherry so you have a really
2: nice mix of how's an ornamental cherry a fruit tree
1: Well, it's not necessarily a fruit tree. It's more to encourage more wildlife, more diversity in your garden. So if you don't want the fruit... i wind my neck in. (laughs) You want the prettiness of the (laughs) blossom. I want a fruit tree. So that's what they're offering. So if you are interested, now is the time, as we spoke about in November, to to plant bare roots. We're
2: actually, I mean, we're on the 2nd of December and it's the start of tree planting season. This week is actually tree planting week. National tree planting week.
1: It is. It is, and actually, Shine Radio have done a, on a daily basis uh, a little audio about some local trees. Oh, super. So, if you are interested, yes, do get in touch with Pecan. Steve, it's been lovely as always it's been great fun down, no no yeah.
2: it's been good thank you for coming again
1: well thanks for having me here thank you for showing me the new part of the allotment really exciting we'll project. take some
2: pictures now and then uh, when we come back over over next year you'll we'll be able to see it growing and changing and uh, yeah that will be interesting to see won't it it's really lovely so looking forward to 2023
1: yeah me too well happy christmas and to you oh before we go Ooh. i have bought oh, you a no. little thing
2: oh no well no
1: it's a little thing i meant to bring you before it's some spiced crab apple jelly.
2: Oh, look at that! that. We made. I feel really bad. I, I have brought you um, nothing apart from my company and good humour. <laughs> That's all I want. Oh, and, 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 and the keep... chocolate father the Chris. Thank you, Claire. Keep That's you very kind of you. As, you.
1: as you work hard on your plots, thank you very December. much. That's really kind oh, of you. No, you're very welcome. Happy Christmas. Steve. And to you. Well, we'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to contact us, you can email us team at shineradio.uk or you can call 01730 555 500. Happy Christmas. We'll be back in January 2023. Happy gardening.
0: Growing together. New every month and always online at shineradio.uk.
1: For one day only, more than a dozen local businesses come together, from photography to fresh baking. The Petersfield Small Business Fair is a great way to meet loads of small traders under one roof. With special offers, free tasters and face painting for the kids, it's something to shout about.
0: The Petersfield Small Business
2: Fair. Saturday the 3rd of December at Winton House, opposite M&S.